Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host, and for the next half hour, hopefully we can calmly talk about something. Of course, this time of year we're talking about Christmas, the wonderful gift that God gives to us in His Son, Jesus. I'm coming to you from the studios here at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Thanks for sharing this moment with us tonight. When you go back in history, you see that the Jewish people waited many, many hundreds of years for the divinely predicted sign of Jesus to come. And it came. It came on Christmas. It's the day we celebrate Christmas. The prophecies were fulfilled. Isaiah 7, 10 to 14, talks about the sign of Emmanuel. Again, the word Emmanuel, God with us. Nothing more precious in life than knowing that God is with you. Verse 10 to 14. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as shield or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. It is too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew 1.21 talks about that. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. No matter what your circumstances today are, the most important thing you can think about is God being with you. The only hope for a secure future, the only hope for going through circumstances that are not right or good or pleasing is to know that purpose is safe with God in those circumstances. You may not know the purpose, but He does. Not only that, Emmanuel, if God is with you, You'll do fine. F. Bassett once said, The answer is plain as evidenced by the prophet turning away from the king who repudiated his privileges to the house of David, to which in all its generations the promise was given. The king was endeavoring to bring about the destruction of the land, but his efforts in that direction would be useless until the destiny of the house of David was fulfilled. The virgin must bear the promised son. Judah is immortal till that event is accomplished. It matters not whether it is near or far. The family and the lineage of David must survive till then. Hence a sign was plain enough, or ought to have been, to Ahaz and the people in general. The closing portion of this section of Scripture fully discloses the destruction of that should befall Judah as well as Israel. But the final fall of Judah is after the birth of Emmanuel. Sometimes things are said that don't make sense, especially to the godless. Those who are told to trust in God and don't know God, that doesn't make any sense. Those who are told that we get stronger through adverse circumstances, 
We don't like adverse circumstances, so we don't understand that, even though it's easy to see that that happens. Dislith said this, The sign is one side a mystery staring threateningly at the house of David, and on the other side is a mystery rich in comfort to the prophet and all believers. And it is couched in such terms in order that they who harden themselves may not understand it, and in order that believers may so much more long to understand it. There are times where you and I read the Bible and we get what it's saying. And those who don't know God, they don't have the Spirit indwelling in them. They can't understand what the Scriptures say until God reveals it to them. When my dad was alive, he always thought the most important thing you can do with anybody in this life is bring them to Christ so that when they read the Bible, the Holy Spirit would be indwelling them so that they can understand who God is. You can't know God and make him known if you don't know God. And the only way to know God is to be in his word and to allow the Spirit of God to infiltrate your mind and your soul. It's important that we realize that there are people today who have no idea of what we're talking about because they don't have the Spirit that lives within them. The only message that they can understand is that they are separated from God by a sinful condition and that God loves them and that he sent Jesus to be the greatest gift of all time. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. Charles Spurgeon talked about this. He said, I want to press home certain truths connected with my theme. Emmanuel is a grand word. God with us means more than tongue can tell. It means enmity removed on our part and justice vindicated on God's part. It means the whole Godhead is engaged on our side, resolved to bless us. Jesus is Emmanuel, Matthew 1, 21. Perhaps you wish to know a little more of the incident in this text which exhibits Jesus as the great light. Our Lord made his home in the darkest parts. He looked about and saw no country so ignorant, no country so sorrowful as Galilee of the Gentiles. And therefore, he went there and lifted it up to heaven by priceless privileges. We will turn back to where we opened our Bibles at first, and there we learn that to God with us, Jesus must be accepted by us. In order for God to be with us, Jesus needs to be accepted by us. He cannot be with us if we will not have him. Hear how the prophet's words, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Be sure that you go on with the verse to the end, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, even if Christ is your Savior, God must be your King. Isaiah seven, fourteen to 16 says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted.
That was Isaiah seven fourteen to 16. You know, as to this striking prediction in itself considered, there are several particulars that is set before us. First, there's a miraculous conception of Christ. When Jesus comes, he will come to somebody who's a virgin. And only God can do that. It's impossible to do that apart from God. The second is the essential deity of Christ. Jesus, when he comes to this virgin mom, is going to be God with us. Not just a sort of God or one who becomes a God, but Emmanuel. God with us. The design of the coming of Christ, for him to be called Emmanuel, God with us, shows that he appeared to espouse our cause. It's one thing to say that you care about somebody. It's another to go be with them and help them walk through the problem with them. Jesus came and was born of Mary. He lived on this earth. He was tempted in every way as you and I were and are. But he never gave in because he understood the truth. I want to tell you, if you understand what Jesus understands, you wouldn't want to sin either. The goal is to get to the point where we understand what God understands. If you've listened to Nighttime before, you realize that I talk often about the fact that you and I have perspective, but God doesn't. No matter what God says, it's said from truth, and we need to respond to it. Another interesting thing about God's birth, as it's told about, is the lowly condition of Christ. Butter and honey shall he eat. It's not that Jesus came and became a king on earth. Jesus came and was king of the universe. He didn't need to prove anything to anybody. You could go to Jesus and say, I doubt your God, and you would be the one that's wrong. He doesn't need to perform for you. It's kind of like holding a position in this life. As I talk on this podcast, I'm the president of Silver Birch Ranch. You could come to me and say, I don't think you are. Actually, I don't need to prove anything. I am the president of Silver Birch Ranch. Well, you could say that you doubt that and that you will never believe it until I prove it to you. Quite honestly, I don't think I'll spend any time trying to prove anything to you. Because whether you believe that I am the president of Silver Birch Ranch or not is irrelevant. To me, I am the president of Silver Birch Ranch, and to anyone who knows the absolute truth, they know that today. Likewise, you could go and tell God he has to do this and this and this for him to be God, and do you realize that the irrelevant is talking to the relevant? Jesus came to be a part of this lowly group. He didn't come with a crown. He came born in a manger. The moral purity of Christ, although the expression before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good, has literal reference to his attaining the age of discernment. Yet it may be applied with special propriety to the spotless sanctity of his character. He knew in a sense in which no one else ever knew 
how to refuse the evil and choose the good. There came a time where Jesus knew this is what's right and this is what's wrong, and I will do what's right no matter what the cost. Actually, there's a time for you and I to do the same. When we know what's right and wrong, what would cause us to do wrong? There's no reason in the world why Jesus would ever do wrong because of what he knows. When I want to do wrong, I think it's because it's what I don't know. I think that I should learn more of who God is in his way. And the more I think like God, the less I'll want to do the evil. Isaiah 9, 1-7 is telling us about a child that's going to be born for us. A prediction, a prophecy. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea and the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has the light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken, as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. On the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I like reading Charles Spurgeon, so I'd like to read Charles Spurgeon's notes on this particular passage. It is noteworthy that the clearer promises of the Messiah have been given in the darkest hour, the darkest hour of history. If the prophets had been silent upon the coming one before, they always speak out in the cloudy and dark day. For well the Spirit made them know that the coming of God in human flesh is the lone star of the world's night. It was so in the beginning, when our first parents had sinned and we were doomed to quit the paradise of delights, when Israel was in Egypt, and when they were the sorest bondage, and when the many plagues had wrought on Pharaoh apparently without success. Then Israel saw the Messiah set before her as a paschal lamb, whose blood sprinkled on the lintel 
and the two side posts secured, chosen from the adventure of blood. The type is marvelously clear, and the times were marvelously dark. Let me read this statement from Charles Spurgeon again. The type is marvelously clear, and the times were marvelously dark. I will quote three cases from the prophetical book, which now lie open before Isaiah 28:16. You read that glorious prophecy. Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believes shall not make haste. When was that given? when the foundation of society in Israel was rotten with iniquity and when its cornerstone was oppression. Read from Isaiah 28:14. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye scornful men. Thus, when lies and falsehoods rule the hour, the Lord proclaims the blessed truth that Messiah would come and would be a sure foundation for believers. Next, Look to Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will rise unto David a righteous branch. When was this clear testimony given? Read the former verses of the chapter. See that the pastors were destroying and scattering the sheep of Jehovah's pasture. When the people of our Lord thus found their worst enemies were... They ought to have met with a friendly care. Then they were promised happier days through the upcoming of divine Son of David. Glance at Ezekiel 34:23, where the Lord says, And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them and shall be their shepherd. When came this cheering promise concerning that great shepherd of the sheep? It came when Israel is thus described, and they were scattered because there was no shepherd. Thus, in each case, when things were at their worst, the Lord Jesus was the one well of consolation in the desert of sorrows. In the worst times, we are to preach Christ and look to Christ. In Jesus, there is a remedy for the direst of diseases and a rescue from the darkest of despairs. Again, that's Charles Spurgeon trying to show us that during the dark days, there's promise for those who know Jesus Christ because he can stop those dark days, and often we wish he would. But there's a promise there that one day there'll be no more dark days for those who are in Christ Jesus those who have taken the gift that we celebrate at Christmas, the gift of Jesus Christ as their Savior. One day the dark days will be over, and it will only be light. Spurgeon said this, One evening last week I stood by the seashore when the storm was raging. The voice of the Lord was upon the waters, and who was I that I should tarry within doors? when my master's voice was heard sounding along the water. I rose and stood to behold the flash of his lightnings and listen to the glory of his thunders. The sea and the thunders were contesting with one another. 
The sea with infinite clamor, striving to hush the deep-throated thunder, so that his voice should not be heard. Yet over and above the roar of the billows might be heard that voice of God, as he spake with flames of fire and divided the way for the waters. It was dark night, and the sky was covered with thick clouds, and scarce a star could be seen through the rifts of the tempest. But at one particular time I noticed far away on the horizon, as if miles across the water, a bright shining like gold. It was the moon, hidden behind the clouds, so that she couldn't be shining upon us. But she was able to send her rays down upon the waters, far away, where no cloud happened to intervene. I thought, as I read this chapter last evening, that the prophet seemed to have stood in a position like mine when he wrote the words of my text. All around him were clouds of darkness. He heard prophetic thunders roaring, and he saw flashes of lightning of divine vengeance, clouds and darkness, for many a league were scattered through history. But he saw far away a bright spot, one place where the clear shining same down from heaven. And he sat down, and he penned these words. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shined. And though he looked through the whole leagues of space, where he saw the battle of the warrior with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, yet he fixed his eye upon the bright spot in futurity. And he declared that he saw hope of peace, prosperity, and blessedness. For said he, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. There's great hope in the fact that God loves us and sent his son Jesus to be the sacrifice for our sins. We celebrate that wonderful gift this week. The biblical illustrator said, There is in this world, mercifully, a compensating balance to all divine denunciations, a nevertheless to all God's judgments, and a gospel of grace appended to every message of doom. It is this that makes the world, amid all its tragic scenes, a world of mercy. Matthew 1, 18-25 Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, 
and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This story of Christmas gets us thinking in a lot of directions. You think of Mary, you think of Joseph, and the feelings and emotions they were going through. The people who didn't believe them. If I'm Joseph, I would have natural suspicion, and he did. But he had merciful determination as well. And we need to be tempering the justice that we understand with mercy, and the mercy with justice. Augustine once said, nothing so clearly discovers a spiritual man as his treatment of an erring brother. Nothing so clearly discovers a spiritual man as his treatment of an erring brother. During this time, when we look at what God is doing in sending Jesus to this earth, so that you and I might experience mercy, how should we treat those who err? Merciful? With grace? With dignity? Oh, that doesn't mean we agree with them. There's no possible way to agree with sin. There's no possible way to say sin is good in any way, shape, or form. But to treat those who are sinful, like myself, with mercy is important. We don't know a whole lot about Joseph, but he was a man of mercy. That was obvious. And Jesus came into this world to be light to show people the erroneous ways that they had and to show them a way to God, to give them a way to God. Biblical illustrator said there is that in Christ Jesus alone which may and can afford sufficient comfort and relief in the worst of times and conditions. If you look into Scripture, you'll find that the promises and prophecies of Christ are calculated and given out for the worst of times. If there was enough in the types of Christ to comfort and relieve people of God under the Old Testament in the worst of their times, then there must be needs be enough in Christ to comfort people of God now in the worst of our times. In the times of the Old Testament, in the ease they had sinned, what relief had they? A sacrifice to make an atonement, Leviticus 4.20? And so type of Christ, the great sacrifice, Hebrews 9.26. In case they were in the wilderness and wanted bread, what relief had they? Manna, a type of Christ, the true bread that came down from heaven. In case they wanted water, what relief had they? The rock that opened, that rock was Christ. In the ease they were stung wire, the fiery serpents, and what relief had they? They had a brazen serpent. And what type of Christ is this in John 3.15? Relief and comfort come from Christ. And we need to be thankful, especially in this time, to be pondering the wonders of the gift of Jesus to all of us. John 1, 1 to 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. No greater gift than Jesus Christ to the world. I do wish you and your family a Merry Christmas as you celebrate this wonderful gift. Thank you.